Hi, this is Alan K. Rohde, author and film historian, and you are listening to Tim Millard's podcast, The Extras. Hello and welcome to The Extras, where we are slightly obsessed about taking you behind the scenes of your favorite TV shows, movies, and animation, and their release on digital DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K, or your favorite streaming site. I'm Tim Millard, your host, and today I have three very special guests with me who are all editors on Supernatural for its 15th and final season. I've had the privilege of knowing these guys from my work on the behind the scenes extras for Supernatural over the last 13 years, and I think we've interviewed or at least uh, consulted with all of you at some point on an episode. Jimmy Pickle, Don Cook, and John Fitzpatrick, welcome to the extras. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, good to be here. So now, normally I would provide a brief introduction to my guests, um, but guys, when I went to IMDb, it was woefully behind on your credits. So I'm going to let each of you introduce yourself and give us a little background on how you got into film and television post-production and eventually ended up on Supernatural. Uh, let's start with you, Jimmy. Uh, I got started with Fitz, actually. That man, that guy taught me a lot. John Fitzpatrick, um, we started working together on season two of The Apprentice, I think. Yeah, I think it was season two. Season two. Yeah. I was a PA and I wanted to learn how to, I saw, I just got done with my master's, wanted to be a college professor, quickly realized that was a very hard thing to do in, in Southern California and took a job as a PA uh, on a show called The Contender. And then they were like, you want to go work on the show called The Apprentice? Long story short, saw the Avids, realized they're just telling a story with pictures and I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn how to become an editor. So I stayed at night and Mr. Fitzpatrick here taught me stuff. And then I think the next year I became a digitizer and went from there. Uh, and how about you, Don? Yeah, right. Man. How did you get into the biz? Uh, for me, basically, it's kind of been a family business. Uh, my grandmother on my mom's side and uh, my grandfather were both dancers and were in vaudeville. And my grandmother was Jeanette McDonald's dance double. And my grandfather taught Clark Gable how to tap dance. So it's kind of been a family business. They, he went, my grandfather, George King, went on to be a producer on the Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres and uh, stuff like that. And then my dad ended up, when he married my mom, needed a job. So, so my, my grandfather got him a job starting off being an assistant editor on Green Acres, I think. And so my dad kind of moved his way up the, the ladder, became a, you know, editor and then a director and producer. Um, so it kind of was a natural thing for me. Studied film at, in college at San Diego State. Basically been, you know, my entire kind of life building up to that point. So then uh, ended up being, I started doing a lot of PA jobs, that type of stuff. Uh, and then my first uh, job in post-production and editorial was, was I was an apprentice on a movie of the week called Dead by Sunset. And then after that, just kind of, you know, worked my way up the ladder there and worked on all sorts of shows and stuff like that. And the most, I say the show that people probably know the most that I worked on, I was on Sabrina the Teenage Witch for five years and then, you know, various pilots and stuff like that. And then uh, ended up on Supernatural. John, we, we started working together when you edited some of our behind the scenes documentaries for Supernatural. But take us back to, you know, before that, how you got started in post-production. Uh, yeah, ironically, and thank you, Jimmy, that was very nice of you to say about uh, me teaching you everything. But that's that's what he, Jimmy doesn't know is that was about five minutes after <laughs> I already learned it. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that's, I got started in post-production on The Apprentice. 
season two. I ended up in post-production as out of necessity. I was doing a lot of independent films. I always wanted to be a director when I first moved here. Is it, and that's kind of the typical story, I guess, for everybody is they all want to be a director. But uh, in this case, I did. And, and I had always made all these films and I could never get anybody to edit them. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody because nobody wants to do that. Right. It's terrible. It's awful, especially when somebody's just learning. So I, I realized I needed to do it myself and this I could get a job learning it and having access to the equipment. So uh, on the, uh, my friend got me a job on The Apprentice and I started doing, like Jimmy said, just digitizing and logging the footage and ended up moving into editing about a year after that. So we started in the same spot. And then for several years after that, I did a lot of reality shows. Didn't really get into scripted till much later. By way of reality and other promos I had met and doing some documentaries, I had met your coworker, uh, Tim, uh, Jeff, and Alex, and they started hiring me in between my my reality shows to do stuff over the summer on their projects, and that's how I ended up with you guys. And then I kind of liked doing it, and it was it was fun. They're a good group of people, so I I kind of moved away from reality and just kept doing that for several years. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Well, then you edited the um, the mockumentary behind the scenes of Supernatural a fan's perspective uh, on the season nine home entertainment release. Talk about working with Phil on that extra and what that led to. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's where the beginnings of it were. Jimmy moved over to supernatural ironically after we'd parted ways and he'd always been trying to get me over there. He'd call me every now and again and see if I wanted to be his assistant. And I was always so busy. I couldn't and things like that. And then this project came up where I was working with Misha because he directed the piece and cutting it. And then we moved it back project for about a week over to the supernatural offices. And that's where I got a lot of one-on-one time with Phil. So the synergy of it was when a new spot opened, I'd been there, done that. Jimmy had been on the show and really championing me getting over there. And it just starts sort of seemed like the next logical step. So, but I started as an, Jimmy's assistant and that's how I moved in there. And I decided, sure, I'll do it. Uh, Cause I really enjoyed working with Phil and I wanted to work with Jimmy again. And I really loved the show. So that one piece kind of, set the stage for it making a lot of sense. And it wasn't that hard of a sell for, for Jimmy to say, I think this guy ought to come over here. Just a side note for all you uh, supernatural fans out there. If you have not seen this mockumentary behind the scenes of supernatural fans perspective, you have to see it. It's just one of the best extras we put out over the years. And as you mentioned, John, credit goes to Misha for pulling that together and uh, Todd Ehrenauer and Phil for helping us execute that extra. It's available in all season nine formats and is also part of the Supernatural complete box set release. So I think fans are probably curious to hear how the Supernatural post-production team worked on a weekly basis. Did you each get an episode? How did the team work together? Don? Uh, basically, well, there's three of us, right? So we kind of hopscotched episodes. And basically, I don't know, we pretty much were pretty autonomous. I mean, at least I was you, you kind of I mean, for editors, especially now with like with the Avid and stuff, and you really don't work every day with your assistant, your assistant kind of uploads your dailies for you, and then you cut them. So basically, I just come into work. And if we had dailies, and you know, it's your your week for your show, you got dailies, you just dive in and keep working, you know, and then sometimes we'll cross over, but usually we see each other in the kitchen <laughs> and talk to, you know, talk to each other that way. But when you're in dailies, you're on your own pretty much until your cuts, you know, do. 
So that's pretty much how, at least for me, that's for sure. You other guys, you have anything else uh, to add on that? I'll give you my workflow. So uh, I, w- I wouldn't read a script until it was like pretty well near a final draft of it. And I would get my script. I would I try and read it twice and just think about and also then realize who my director is. That was kind of important to me too. Like who's directing this? Do I know the person? How we work together? And then, yeah, you dive into dailies and you just go. Uh, it's go time. And that's kind of the busy time. Don's absolutely right. Your assistant... I mean, you're, you're, you're working together. Everyone's, everyone has a different relationship with their assistant. Like, you know, I don't want to speak for either of the other two guys, but like, I was big on doing my own audio. I know Fitz liked to do his own music. I just spoke for him. Um, <laughs> I said I wasn't. So like my assistant did way more music and sound effects helped me out with that. While I would say Fitz's assistant probably helped him out more with the audio, which is what I like to do. So it's just, it's how, you know, in, in, and when I worked for Don, it was, I did uh, audio and sound effects. I think I did tech visual effects for you too, right? I mean, we tried to. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It's pretty much. Yeah. Cause what, that's the way when I worked, when, when Bruce ended up being my assistant after Jimmy got bumped up. Yeah. yeah I, that's, I was Don's assistant, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's a yeah. incestuous thing going on in this. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's a whole, whole uh, family thing here. Yeah. They, uh, that's Jimmy's right. I mean, for me, that's what I do too. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm worried about cutting picture and, and fixing the, the actual production audio tracks, that type of stuff. But I leave, leave the, yeah, temp visual effects, temp sound effects. And I did my own music. I just, I just felt like, you know, that's what I like to do. But then, yeah, everybody has a different relationship with their assistants. We, we, like, we always count on Fitz to bring in every freaking new movie there was and new sound, sound effect. Yeah. French <laughs> film none of us have heard of, and he would be bringing in the music for that. But yeah, right. we always had good music. So what, what, what was like a typical episode cycle for you? Like, was it, you know, the number of days and when would you also kind of start the work? Like day one of the dailies? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. go Fitz. Go Fitz. Go Fitz. Your turn. Oh, oh yeah. They shoot for eight days. So the, the general schedule was you're, you're day for day with them on, on with camera until the end. And then you get three to four extra days to do your final pass and get it all knocked into shape before you release it to the director. So about, tw- about give or take a day or two, 12 days to turn the cut around. And then, uh, then it goes into director for four, and then it goes into producers for another three or four, depending on how many people take a pass at it. Sometimes they'd all look at it at once. Sometimes they'd each take an individual one if they were all spread out in Canada or wherever, because we had a lot of um, producers that also directed. So if they were out of town, they might each take a separate one. But if they were all together, they might come in and watch it at the same time. So just that that part depended on availability and how they wanted to do it. it and then uh, so many factors, right? Like it's also yeah. a time of year. Like you, you build a pad into your show of like these weeks and then you gobble them up until you get to Christmas. So like your schedule in November is completely different than your schedule in like July. And I guess it's, and so, yeah, you're, and like they said, you're kind of alone. You're you're just working on your thing, doing, doing your stuff. And, but we would collaborate a, a little bit. Like if you're ever, Jimmy would come into my bay. Can I show you something? I'm worried. I'm trying to figure this out. Do you buy this? Don would kind of do the same right. thing or I'd go in there. There's a lot. Jimmy cut fight scenes really well. So I'd watch his fights sometimes and look for little tips and tricks I could use. Or and Don always did the boys talking at the end and the drama really, really well. No, seriously. 
seriously. So I would just, I would just, I would, when I got somewhere, I'd remind myself, I don't you know, watch a Don scene about the, the boys having a moment because he'd really do it really well. So I, I remind me of what, what it's about sometimes, you know, this, this show's about family and he'd really, he'd hit it. So I'd go, okay, I should go remind myself because just randomly got stuck with a lot of action driven episodes. Um, sometimes it would it'd be easy to forget the, the heart. So I'd always have to go look and see what some of the heart would be. Remind my remind myself. You remember <laughs> what was the one you cut for Showalter? It had the it was like the UFC fight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that was ten episode ten, season fifteen. So I went, yeah. I went into Fitz's Bay after that fight or after that. I watched the cut and I told him I was pissed off at him because it was so good that like now I felt like I had to up him like I had to one up him because it, it, it was really well done so we would always go like bust on each other like that or you know compliment each other or exactly what fits it he'd show each other stuff I you yeah. know I'd talk to Don Don talked to me whatever yeah but it moved pretty fast. It was pretty lightning fast. I mean, really, when I now just hearing me outline it, that's it's a fast schedule. <laughs> I mean, you're well, going especially too because the cuts that we have to turn over, right? You know, has temp music, temp, temp visual effects, temp sound effects. It's all got to be mixed. I mean, and the thing, you know, and when you're when you're putting your cut together, I mean, that's your work, right? So you you want it to be perfect. So you're yeah. you're in that mode where it's every level's got to be perfect. You got to pull out, you know, all the, it, you want it to be like almost, you feel like it could be aired, you know, not really, but that's what you have in mind. You're like, man, you know, I really want this thing to be mixed properly. I want visual effects, all that stuff. You want it perfect because, I mean, I, obviously you're going to get tons of notes anyways from everybody, but you're, I mean, for at least for me, my goal is like, you know, I want as minimal notes as possible or, or for me to, I, I always used to when I was cutting stuff I could hear Phil's voice in my head you know when I'm cutting stuff yeah you know going okay I know he's gonna say this here so I gotta I'm, I'm gonna fix this now I gotta do this you know what I mean you could yeah. just you could you could hear it so, so yeah. yeah I mean the, the product we turn over you know I mean you're trying to make it as close to perfect as possible and the game it kept going up and up and up like it, it never stopped like when I first when I was assisting Don, when we did demonize, you just did a pain effect on it. By the time right. we got to Fitz and Marty, they were using after effects and like, I mean, it looked professionally done. So True. Right. it just, everyone kept like one up in each other. And then once that bar was set, it's like, okay, everybody's got to do it this way now. You know, I feel like yep. we never like, we were always at each other kind of. <laughs> I, I remember coming up on the seventh floor and you guys, your offices were like kind of in that dark little, <laughs> little area. Right. Yes. Um, you each had like across the hall from each other or next to each other. Would you be in there at the same time or would, you know, so that you could do what you're talking about, talk to each other? Or was that only some of the time? It just be in passing. Yeah. yeah. But we were all there at the same time. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're there. You're there every day, each day working on some facet or another of what your job is. So you're all, you're at the office every day. It's not a, it's not this show's light. So you're not there that day. Yeah. It's you're there. They'll figure us out something for you to do. <laughs> I, I recall the, the writers would all kind of go home and write or whatever. You guys were close in contact so you could collaborate. Kind of. You know, yeah. But make no mistake about it. When you become an editor, you want to lock yourself in a dark room listen kids at home if you want to become an editor and you like to sit in a dark room and look at pictures all day and yell at things windowless yeah. windowless room and yell at actors for what they're doing right or wrong <laughs> even though they can't respond to you then you become an editor 
<laughs> yeah. No, yeah, you're you're in your you're in your own room for a large portion yeah. of the day, and then, and then you might come out you might come out for a break, or the 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 morning routine was the usually where we saw each other the most. It would be like I I'd walk in, Jimmy'd walk in, then Bruce and my assistant would be there, and then we'd just kind of hang out in the bullpen area, and then Don would come sit down by the printer and have a coffee, and then and that's where if we all socialized, that's where it kind of happened, and then at around as soon as nine o'clock hit, break everybody goes to their edit bays and that was that. So then once the directors uh, saw the cut, then it would go to Bob or Phil when he was there. Uh, They would review and give the producers notes. Yeah. Phil? It goes uh, Phil or John Showalter and then it would go Bob and then uh, Andrew and then Bob Andrew, right? I guess you'd say that. Did you guys get, did did you deal with network notes or studio notes as well? Who's the after all <laughs> after yeah after all that after all that yeah so you'd re- you'd release to your director your director would work with you if your director was Phil then or Bob you got a two for one so they would do their both their passes at the same time and then it would go away so to the to, the, to Andrew so how it worked was Phil Bob Andrew then studio and you would do the notes all the notes for all of those people. And then, then you guys had a, like a, was it a spotting session or would everybody would come in and uh, before you went to online? Or? Oh yeah. I mean, that's when everything's locked. Basically, once you get past studio network notes, you're pretty much locked. Your, your picture is locked. So you're going to, you go into the spotting session with your, all your sound guys. And then you, you watch the show, you watch the show with Bob, Phil, or John Showalter, depending on the, you know, the season and that type of stuff. And you all hang out and just watch the show. And Bob, Phil, and John would say, you know, okay, sound, this is what we want to do here. Music, this is what we want to do here. You know, you'd go, okay, the temp music's good. This is the type of tone we want. Or no, we don't want music here. It's basically, it's all audio, that type of stuff. It's all the audio portion of it. But everybody's there just to make sure and ask questions and that type of stuff. And then once that's done, it goes off to our sound guys at Warner Brothers and the composer does his thing and then they all kind of meet up for the mix on the uh, on the stage. You know, I think it's usually about well, depending on the schedule, but, you know, at least a week or so after that. So and then they do their thing and they mix for like, what, two, three days, something like that. And then everybody comes in after the audio's done, the mix, and we all all watch the, the playback and then give notes on that. And then basically that's pr- and they do fixes. And then there you go. That's, you know, a show in, in about a month. So meanwhile, how, like how many, if you, that was going on, you probably were on another episode maybe by that time that you're kind of juggling different episodes in different stages. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for at least for me, like once pretty much once it got past the spot, you're usually your next day typically was dailies on the next show. So you're, you know, once, once it's past the spot and, and audio is doing their work, you're on your next show. And then depending on how busy were you were, you would go to the stage once they were doing the playback and watch the episode playback to make sure they didn't miss anything either. You know, some sort of dialogue that you put in the tracks that kind of got dropped or something like that. But yeah, once, once you're done with a spot, you're on to your next episode and you're, you're going in dailies. Yeah, I know this stuff is like standard for you, but I think for the fans, it's pretty interesting to kind of hear how that process works. Oh. And I know that when we, we did some of the, you know, behind the scenes stuff, we went to a spotting session, I think, cause we were doing a piece on, oh, I don't remember which one, maybe it was on the composers, but we also went to the, you know, to the mix and stuff like that too. And it was all interesting, just the different stages of, of the editorial process. Here, here's some, 
I think is some stuff the fans might want to hear about the spotting session. Um, it can be a humbling experience. I think you've now cut this show. Uh, it's gone through Phil. It's gone through Bob. It's gone through the studio. It's gone through the network. You, you could literally, I could recite the show by the time you're done. You could say every line in it. You've seen it so many times. And then you get in that spotting session and they're like, nope, music's all wrong here. And you're like, you've listened to this music for like four weeks now. <laughs> so it, 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 I, I would always tell my assistant because they did a lot of my music, like, listen, you just got to let it go off your shoulder. Like this is just, they just want to get it right. But you could have things in there that you thought sounded great. And then all, at that spotting session, all of a sudden they're like, nope, that doesn't sound right. Or it's not, it's not coming in at the right time or it needs to go down more or it needs to start earlier or whatever it is. So then what do you do? Well, that's for the, well, the composers right. notes. Like we're just making a roadmap for them. Like we're, we're, putting, oh, gotcha. yeah. Yeah, we're putting in music that we could never get. I mean, we're putting in name a movie and we're putting in score from that movie, which we obviously couldn't buy. So it's just a roadmap for the composer to be like, okay, but they would, you know, then there's, there's a discussion. Did they start the music in the right spot? Did the editor and the assistant start in the right spot? And that can be a humbling thing when they when it's like, no, you didn't start in the right spot, you know? <laughs> Right. Well, it's one of those things where I think too, is it's to be, especially be an editor, you can't take notes personally. No. You know, it's, it's your interpretation of the show, especially even in your individual first cut, right? You know, you're going to get loaded up with notes. You think you're cutting the show the way you think the show should be, right? And you're turning it over going, you know, oh, this thing that, you know, it's not perfect, but you're like, your goal is to get as little notes as possible, but everybody's got the, a different interpretation. So yeah, if you want to want to be an editor, you cannot take notes from anybody personally. It's just, that's their, that's their vision. And then once your cuts delivered, at least for me, my job is to execute their notes. And if they ask me for my opinion, I'll give it, but you know, from there on out, it's, I'm, I'm there to, you know, to shape the show, whatever, the, whatever notes I get from them. Don's, What's the, Don's uh, Mr. Cool. I never <laughs> thought that way. I, I was just like, how could you note this? It's beautiful. It's, it's perfect. I mean, maybe it's a little bit over, but it's, it's good. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> anyway. A couple other, a uh, couple other questions uh, I, I think might be interesting. Usually you had, um, you had like a recap or something. Was that something that somebody else did or the assistants or were you guys involved in, in those recaps? Well, I think the, well, we all started, we were, we were all at once assistants on the show, right? I was an assistant for, for season four, four through six before I got moved up. And I think the, I think the, the cutting the recaps, the assistants cut them. And I think it's a really good experience to cut the recaps because it's, it's like kind of like a mini episode. It was also a trial too, kind of thing where, you know, where you get the producers to sit behind you and and they get to watch your cut and give you notes. That's another one thing about editing too that's really nerve-wracking is when you're in the chair and you're running your cut and all the producers are sitting behind you, you know, where everything's got to work out. So I think that was, a, I mean, for me, it was a really good uh, experience cutting those recaps because it, it really prepares you for all, all aspects of editing. It's just in a short span, you know, a two-minute span, but it, I think it, it really helped. Any, any unique challenges on this show that... Um... If you saw it coming in your episode, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> that was one of the great things about Supernatural was you were you you really weren't you were surprised constantly. It wasn't like you were cutting the same show over and over certain scenes. Yes. You know, you've had you can cut the same, you know, scene in different episodes over and over. But in general, you never know what you're going to get. So there's you know, there's comedy 
there's drama, there's action, there's visual effects, there's all that stuff. There, in the show, it's such a wide range of genres in one show. So every, I mean, I ended up cutting like 69 episodes of Supernatural. So it's like, but they're all different and they're all, yeah, there's certain themes that are the same, but you never know what you're going to get. So it kind of kept you on your toes. So you never were really bored with cutting stuff. Any favorite episodes um, that you guys have that, you know, looking back now? Uh, for me, for sure. I, I think that the episode Baby, um, that was, a. I mean, it was way different. Uh, Thomas Wright directed it and did a really great job with it, but it was so unorthodox and it was so, so different. You talk about different episode. That was, that episode definitely was, was a favorite because it was so out of the norm where it just was, you know, every cut, every day of dailies was just, completely different you know like how am i going to do this but tom wright really did a great job with setting it up so that that was one that definitely stuck out for me and oh and scooby natural that was fun cutting the the, the supernatural scooby-doo episode <laughs> that was fun too on the other end <laughs> so just for the listeners who um maybe don't know baby and supernatural but that that was shot from the perspective of the car was it not everything was right contained in the car it was all interior it was all yeah basically inside the car and it was the car's perspective of sam and dean's life pretty much and and then scooby natural i love that episode as well because i actually worked on the scooby franchise for home entertainment so it was like a blend for me of two of my favorites you know the animation mixed with supernatural that one was really different um because the guys get kind of sucked into the animated show and they make characters for them so that was a really really interesting episode for those who are not familiar with it how about you jimmy uh i'd have to say uh regarding dean with uh john badham that was probably that that was up there for me i I remember watching going wow this is gonna be really good he got amazing performances out of jensen i mean it was so like simply done but it was really good just the shot of jensen in the mirror where he's losing his mind and he starts crying and that was i was like wow it was really fun to cut that because i didn't cut (laughs) i just let it roll (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's putting me on the spot I, I, I guess I'm weird since I'm sort of a dork. It was really, it's hard for me to figure out one singular one just because like Don was saying, so many of them had different challenges. I had favorite parts of, of many, I think is the best way to describe it. You, you know, there was challenges in some episodes that I, I, I did with uh, Spate where we, it was more like a Tarantino movie. So it was cut all differently and out of order and the music was different. So it was, it was really challenging. So, but, so that became fun. There was uh, a one about like a kind of like a, a haunted house with this demon Moloch living in it that Phil did that we, we just, we let it be a more of like a horror movie. And I know that sounds funny, but the newer horror movies where you let us sit for a long time or, or and we're just listening and feeling and tensions building because you're not cutting and challenging ourselves to really push the envelope there. That was fun. Bob Singer, his episodes were, I always enjoyed parts of them because he was such an elegant shooter that you, you felt you were given the command of how to make the scene happen because it wasn't all this stuff. It was like, there's this and this and this, and now you get to pick how the impact's going to be. So there was an elegance and simplicity to it that was just, that made you feel like you were the craftsman doing it. And so there's so many, uh, so it's really hard for me to nail one. So if I'm going to be put to having to figure out one, boy, I'd say... Your episode. 
I was no. gonna say, yeah, my, I didn't, but I didn't cut my own episode. No, I'd say, I'd say, if I really had to really like go back through all of it, uh, my top. Oh man, so hard. Like I have. They all I, blend I think together. The one yeah, the one that sticks out, the two two experiences that stick out the most that are that would that were like, okay, wow, because for multiple multiple reasons, I guess would be uh, the bad place that's setting up Wayward Sisters, and then I really enjoyed doing the one that Jimmy talked about. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was where Sam and and Dean are, are he, uh, heroes journey. They're not heroes anymore. They, 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 yeah, they fall their, their, or, their ordinary lives. But I wouldn't say that that's a f- favorite, like, because it's a quintessential thing in the whole grand scope of so many amazing episodes. I just, for me personally, they were, they were challenging hard. There was a lots of fun to be had. And I think there was a lot of opportunity to, um, think differently so it, it let me exercise different muscles so it became it, it became indelibly marked in my mind you just referenced you know directing i don't know uh, was that something you always wanted to do and then who did cut your episode okay uh yeah it's something i always i've always wanted to do it's uh i i i, I said like earlier I've always wanted to be a director. So that was a sort of the beginning of a, of a new journey that we'll see where, if it gets to keep going, but, and my assistant, Marty cut that one. He's been an editor in reality uh, shows and he came on board as my assistant and he'd, he'd cut a couple of scenes on some other shows with his other editor. And so he had the ability to do it. And I said, well, it's give him a shot to do it. And so he ended up cutting my episode. So we kept it in the family again, like uh, Don was saying. It just it's a. I mean, they they joke about the SPN family, but it really is. It's like no, don't you know? We'll just keep it here, and and the trust is there, and and we'll just do it. And it's just sort of a pay it forward in a way, and keeping it in the family because Jimmy brought me into the show and vouched for me, and then uh, Phil and Bob were instrumental and uh, in, in allow getting me to get direct. So they they believed in me, and so then I believed in Marty, and I said, "Hey, you should take you, you should take a shot here." Because uh, because I'm going to pat myself on the back during this. So I kept offering Fitzy the job. I was like, "Dude, come over here and assistant. You know, being assistant. I'm telling you, half these directors I know were editors at a certain point. I'm going, you know, you could become a director." Just get over here. And he, went, he, he kept saying no because he wanted to keep directing his films, which oddly enough was the right choice up until a certain point. So he kept directing his own films, directing his own films, and he was working with Jeff and it allowed him to have, was it Jeff and who else? Uh, Jeff and... Jeff and Alex. Jeff and, Alex. And, and it allowed him to, you know, have the time to, to do his side projects and blah, blah, blah. So I kept bugging him. Every time I'd have an opening, I'd call Fitz first. Yeah. And he, yes, he turned did. me down twice. and um, and then finally on the third one, I think he was like, it was just perfect timing because he had done enough films now that it was, he, he could say yes to the job. I mean, what did you, he were assistant for me for six months and then Nicole left, right? Is that when Nicole left? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So Nicole yeah. leaves, he gets bumped up to editor and within like the next year, you know, and I, I, and then I would, you know, Fitz was very, very good about like not bringing up his directing and I was like, I'll let me just handle this. <laughs> so anytime Phil was around, I'm like, Hey, you, did you see this? Did you see his, uh, the, the, you know, the video he made or, uh, it would be on YouTube or what, you know, whatever, wherever your channel was fits the, 
I think yeah, one, YouTube. I think the one, well, you also you also cut one of my episodes. I did of, cut one. Uh, I cut right there online stuff and showed it to Phil yeah. and all of that. So, so it was always yeah. like showing Phil stuff, and I think I swear the one that got him to bite and really consider it was the the ship one you did, where the the ship sinks, the elevator. Yeah, the elevator. No, I, I no, I think you're probably right. Once they was, saw that, yeah. I think they took you very seriously. Yeah, no, Jimmy was very good at that. I'm not very good at doing, showing my own stuff. So Jimmy was always very good about making sure everybody could see it. <laughs> it be, it's good. He would be it's like, he's, he's the same age as me. I'm calling him a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watching this. But yeah, so there, that's, again, and that's the SPN family thing. I mean, while, yeah, we challenged each other and we did these fun things, there was always that there was always a support network like that. Marty got his job. One thing you guys keep mentioning is, you know, kind of like how well you've worked together as a team and how long, what, I mean, what are some of the kind of the benefits or unique elements of when you do work on a show for so long? Go ahead, Don. My turn. I mean, for me, I think the more, the more you end up working, like the longer you work, the more comfortable I think you get. And the, for me, it was, I think instead of like people, uh, I was more comfortable doing like, especially my own cut, the editor's cut, like people wouldn't bother you. They knew that you could do the job. So they weren't coming in every day, you know, Oh, did you know, how's this going? Well, let me see this. You know, you kind of, I guess once they trust you to do your own cut, then they don't bother you as much and you just do your own thing. I think, you know, I guess it's not being micromanaged, you know, that type of thing. It's also too, I think you, you realize you work with people for so long, you know that they can do their job. So when you hand off a certain thing, you know that it's going to get done. It's not going to get fall through the cracks or it's going to get done properly or that type of thing. You know, it's, it's once you, so you trust everybody to do their job that I think that's the biggest thing for me. So you don't have to worry about, you know, your assistant, like, oh my gosh, you can't do this or, or whatever, you know, you know, it's going to get done and it it's off your plate and then you can concentrate on the stuff you need to concentrate on. So, and it is like Fitz was saying, it truly was, I mean, a family. I mean, it's, you always think like when I was on Sabrina, the teenage witch, I'm like, I'm never going to get as good a job, like working conditions, you know, it, it, uh, again. And then I ended up on Supernatural for 11 years and it was awesome. I mean, the people that we worked with, the, you know, all these guys, everybody else, it truly was like, if, you know, you really, we all got along really, really well. And everybody, if people left to move on to different, different shows or stuff like that, the people that came in were kind of like the same type of, I don't know, personality or something. And we all pretty much got along. It was really great. I mean, for me, like I had a couple of, well, a year or so where I went through some health issues and everybody was really supportive. Like, you know, PJ was great. Phil was great. Everybody that they, you know, if I needed help, Fitz was great. You know, and Jimmy was great too. It was, it was like, it was <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saving the best for life. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, well, and Bruce and everybody, I mean, it's like, I could name everybody, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things where any other show you, you'd be worried about what's going to happen. But I, you know, it was just, I, it, it's hard to explain, but it definitely was. I mean, the best working conditions that I've had, and it was 11 years of it. It was awesome. You know, I, I loved every minute of it. I think too, it was, it was, I never left. I mean, I thought about leaving, but what kept me there was because, and when I say that, let me, let me clear up something for the fans. As an editor, sometimes it's good to have a lot of different credits. And this was really our first, my first credit as an editor. So you want to get that second and third credit. It's very important because apparently nine years on one show isn't as good as 
two years on four shows or whatever the math is. But the reason I never left was it, it was Phil and Bob. I mean, that was, what do you think, 50, 60 years of television experience between the two of them? Mm-hmm. And, and I never felt like I wasn't learning something. And, and even when John came in, I still didn't feel like I wasn't learning something from these guys and all the directors that came in. And that's what kept me there. It was just endless television knowledge and cool stories too. Bob has <laughs> Yes, the Bob. ultimate stories teller is Bob. By the end, yeah, I, I heard most of them. I was on the second or third run of them, but uh, I still loved them. <laughs> yeah. No, building on what Jimmy said, that's that that's absolutely right. It's the uh, that and the part of the environment that was created by Phil and Bob and various showrunners, Andrew, Jeremy, going back, and then also uh, you know later John Showalter was it was a creative safe space. They were really good at their jobs and they knew television and. In knowing that they knew to just to let you have some fun once in a while too with with the sequence or with what your your style is or doing something like that to just keep the show fresh and interesting and that's that kind of thing is so rare I think they just they were really they were really good creative champions they were creative in their own ways too they I mean so building on that same thing you'd show something and then it might get them excited and then they'd figure out a way to make it better you know. Phil had a number of ways he could amp something up when he'd be in there or Bob would find the simplest thing. He could just watch the thing. It was like magic. He'd go, all right, right there and there, take it out. Do you remember, do we'd it. be in a room all like scratching our heads and he'd walk in and watch it one time and yeah. give you the exact answer. Yeah. And then, just, and then you'd go and you'd do it and then it'd be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like Obi-Wan. Yeah. It was like, it was like Obi-Wan, you know, you go, man, you know, and then, and then he just kind of, he'd give a little smile like he knew. And then he'd be like, all right, see you later. (laughs) Yeah, That was that. It was great. You know, it was great. That's awesome. Uh, Don, we, we interviewed you for the, um, for an extra we did on the episode bitten in season eight. That was a really unique episode to edit. And I thought it was worthy of maybe spending a few minutes talking about. Maybe you can just talk about that challenge. That was another Tom Wright episode. He did Baby, but he also did Bitten too. And I mean, for me, the, thi- the I think the, the hardest thing about that being like a found footage show was you you're going against like everything you normally do every day trying to make like cut seamless and and not noticeable and this is you're trying it's a whole different genre where you know you're trying to actually make it not professional (laughs) you know type of thing where you're you know you're trying to make it more like a like a home movie or student film or that type of thing it's you're really going you're fighting everything you do every day normally you're trying to make it look you know jagged and stuff like that but that, you know, that I think that was the hardest thing about it was that. And then also kind of like the temp sound design and stuff, you know, the kids are in college. So, you know, what about let's put, you know, music in the upstairs apartment above them. All you hear is bass, you know, because it's college, right? There's stereos going 24 seven. So I think that's that was the hardest thing was to to go against everything you normally do or, you know, or trained to do and, and make it look seamless. You actually tried to make it look rough. John, you have a link to that piece, I think, because you actually edited the um, the extra. 
Did I? I have to remember. I remember doing yeah. Misha's one. Did I do that one? Yeah. Yeah, you did. I was just I, watching it, uh, and I saw your credit there on that. So uh, that's I didn't kind of, make that big of an impression on you, Fitz. <laughs> your interview did. I mean, you know, it's like, who, God, this guy. This look is, at this look, stiff. This is exactly where I don't want to be. And no, right. <laughs> this, is why, this is why editors should not be on camera. Yeah, look at this. No, uh, I was. You know, they've got this poor guy. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, for, yeah, for, I mean, for, the fans, for the fans who are interested, um, finding supernatural, creating the found footage episode, uh, it really is an in-depth look at the filmmaking on that episode and features interviews with uh, director Thomas J. Wright, writer Robbie Thompson, executive producer Jeremy Carver, the actors, and the Supernatural Post team of executive producer Phil Segretia, producer Todd Aaronauer, and of course uh, Don. Um, there you go. Yeah, it it for the fans, it's available in all season eight formats and is part of the Supernatural Complete Series box set release. One other um, extra I have to ask you guys about, is, I mean, it's a fan favorite. It's the gag reel uh, you guys put together each season. I don't know how much each of you had a hand in that, but obviously you had to collect the gag throughout the season from the different episodes and, and then, you know, put that together. Can, can one of you talk about the gag reel? I think we've all cut one. I cut one. I never got a chance. I never, uh, there were things that we had, uh, it was always a team effort that a lot of different people did. And for whatever reason I was, I I think maybe I did a segment of one. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, But I I never, I I never got to really do the whole thing. It got turned over to Sean at a certain point, Sean Wagner. But before that, uh, assistant editors were kind of, we were doing. Yeah, I think. Well, Phil would lay the music bed down, right? Yeah, you know, no, that was Phil. Fine. I, I, uh, I got it. I got it. I'm like, I'll just give me the music. I like talked him out of it. But yes, oh, and how and how did that go? <laughs> it how did that go? I, I mean, okay. listen, <laughs> if you want to see something funny? You got to get me and Phil in a in a in a bay together because we fight like we're married. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he probably fought me on it. And then, you know, I had, it turned out I had to do way more notes because he didn't do the initial bed, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I worked it out. What was I trying to say? Uh, yeah. So you, you basically as an editor, when you're cutting your dailies, if you see something funny, you throw it in a bin called gags for, you know, right. episode, whatever episode you're in. And then at the end, somebody comes through and takes out all those gags. And, and then anything you thought was funny, sometimes it's label gag reel. Like sometimes up North, they, they, they're like, this is a gag and they send it down and they label it as, as such. But sometimes you just see something funny in the dailies and you throw it in there and then that all gets collected. And, you know, it's kind of a team effort that everyone puts together, but. On other shows, you know, we sometimes would get, Hey, this is the gag reel we, we use for the rap party. And it would include like stuff we couldn't use references to movies and things of that nature. But the one, um, you know, from supernatural would always come well-produced. And as the seasons went on, there would be like graphics or a theme. I mean, the music was obviously awesome. And then you guys always had the photos at the end of the crew, which I was told, Hey, these are very important to us. And so I would, every year I would go and I would get releases from, from the people who took the photos so that we could keep that in there. That was really unique to this show. And I thought it, you know, for the fans, I think it was great, great experience. And we know that those were the, like the favorites on the home entertainment releases. Got to see the gag reel. It's always excellent. I was just say, I think that's again, part of that SPN family thing. Cause I know those photos came from almost every person. And I think it was Hillary that would collect them all kind of, she'd right. go around. Do you have any mm-hmm. photos for this? So I think that 
that's you're bringing up an excellent point. Why it feels that way is because it's so many people that that loved being a part of it that it comes through through how they're giving of all of this stuff to one product and and it all influences how it feels and then a handful of people put it together and then it goes and it's sort of like a little video yearbook of the seat of the of the season that way that everybody contributed to so i think that's part of it but and that's why but yeah they're great I don't know who, where it started though, Don, were you on in one or two where I feel, it almost feels like that was a, like, pro, like a big Phil thing would have been like a thing. He'd be like, no, I want everything total... to, you got to get everything together. It was a total. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I came in on, I came in on season four. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's, I think it was way back then too. I mean, it's, it's yeah. been that way for a long time. So yeah, I was season four. So, but yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, like you said, it is true. It, it, it sounds like, I don't know. I mean, people say it all the time, the whole supernatural family and stuff like that, but it really truly was like, I was watching the final, the, the DVD extras, uh, on this season 15, the DVD extras before I came on to the, this podcast. And it really, it's, it's really, you know, truly is a family, even though post we're kind of isolated in our own rooms and we're not really part of the crew in Canada and stuff like that. But we kind of had our own little, you know, family post family and the writers kind of down here in LA, but it really, it really is a family atmosphere. And like I said, I mean, it's the best show that I've worked on, you know, bar none. And that's, you know, that's part of the reason, like what Jimmy said, you know, you, we stayed on it so long was because you are learning every day too, like from, like he said, but it is, it's the atmosphere was great. Let's talk about that. This last season of Supernatural. Jimmy, why don't we start with you? But how did you find out 15 was going to be the last season? Oh my gosh. I think, I don't remember how I found out it was going to be the last season. I think it just somewhere in between 14 and 15. Does anyone remember? I don't remember how exactly it happened. I think, I think it was that it was the, it was Jensen's video. Yeah, the tweet. I mean, I think we kind of all saw like Jensen's tweet that was, you know, from, their phone basically, you know, was like, that's, this is, this is going to be it. So, uh, that's, that's what I, the way I remember it. We always suspected it might be coming. You know, we always had it. We were, I mean, it was water cooler talk, right? It was just like, you know, I think this might be it. And that was like season 13 or something, you know, I don't know. I think this might be it, you know, <laughs> and you're at the water cooler. It was constant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah but, and then all of a sudden that dropped and it was like, okay, that's it. What I remember about the last season, and I'll be honest with these two guys, I'm just going to lay it out here right now. I remember scheming to myself going, if because it was 20 episodes, right? Right. Yeah. I remember yeah. scheming to myself going, if I cut the finale, you also get to cut the premiere because it was just the way it mathematically worked out. So I, I remember telling Phil like season right before he left, like what was that? So season 14, right? Right. Hey, Phil, I really want this finale. Like, put, I'm putting my name in the hat right now. Like, please give it to me. And he's like, uh, so he, he thought about it. And I think he was like, he was cool with it. Cause we kind of all switched on who got premieres and who got finales. But I was just remember I was doing the math going. And then he found out that he figured it out. Like, he, that, oh my gosh, he, you do, you're doing the premiere and the finale. He's like, you can't do that. I remember him. Remember he tried to change it before he right. left. And right. was like, no, nah, it's cool. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like Phil wanted us, he wanted someone else to cut the premiere and then we switched like and do a back to back. That was going to, yeah, that was going to be me. He wanted me to like, I was going to do the premiere and then, <laughs> and Fitz was going to do what Jensen's episode. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what, yeah. And then, yeah. I, and then Jimmy got the finale. Anyway, I'm sorry, fellas, but that's what, I, that's what I was doing between 14 <laughs> and 15 was scheming on how I could get both, both uh, shows. 
And I think you got, awesome. I think you got the midseason, didn't I? Didn't you get the midseason thing too? I think I, I don't who me? No, did, I think I, I cut the midseason finale too. I, I mean, it was like the greatest, I don't remember. Well, like twenty was like if you were the the first one in doing the premiere, you got it was just a run. You got like all the like sweet episodes. Yeah, I don't remember what, what was the midseason this year. I don't. I don't. Remember. I don't know if it was nine or ten because it got like, divided in half, right? So, like, it's right. almost like the last season was too. The weirdest thing about for me with uh, the last season was we always started filming in around August or or whatever, or, or late July or August. So we stopped abruptly because of COVID in March or whenever that was, and then we were off, and then we started it again in around August, and so it almost felt like we were coming back to do season sixteen. And you always had to remind yourself, no, I'm in for my one, in my case, it was 19 and I'm finishing out. And then that's it. The lights are going out. So it was a really weird mixed emotional experience because it felt like the same old thing. And we were just going to do another year with everybody again. And we were all going to be around and, and you're constantly being reminded, wait, no, in two more weeks, it's done. In one more week, it's done. And it just kind of, and then so the text crazy, messages yeah. started coming through on the last day of the last day of filming. Texting started and the email chains. And then it was like, oh, this is really happening. This is, this isn't season 16, even though it felt like it. This is the end. This is the end of the road. That was, that, that was the one thing I, watching the DVD extras. It was kind of, kind of disappointing that we didn't get like full closure like that. No rap party, no nothing, you know, you can't, there was really no, it was the weirdest ending because yeah, when the, like the pandemic hit, it was like one day, well, first of all, it felt like a, a supernatural episode, right? You know, the <laughs> yeah, whole world right. is, you know, you're living in a supernatural episode. This is, you know, there's this pandemic, there's, you know, what's, what's Chuck doing here, you know, type of thing to the whole world. Right. And, but it's in reality. So it was weird. Yeah. One day, you know, we're in there, we're in there, you know, I'm getting my my editor's cut ready for like 18. And the next day we got the email from Warner Brothers, you know, and I wanted to go in and like, and mix my tracks for my editor's cut and make sure it was all balanced. And Showalter was like, nope, can't go in, can't go. And then the la- the next time I went into the office, I, I was cleaning out my office for like one last time, like a couple months later. It was so weird. Yeah, it was just, that's the, the, the thing that's disappointing is, is this show was such a, a big, huge part of your life personally, right? And professionally, as for me, 11 years, and there was no closure to it. There was basically, you just go home because yeah. you're leaving. But remember the whole that's season it. was messed up even before COVID. We had that thing yeah. happen to the ISIS where we like it corrupted our right. whole ISIS, our whole, uh, sorry, freedom storage for all you fans out there. <laughs> um, yes, Avid created a system called ISIS before ISIS came wrong. Um, it corrupted all the media and it was horrific. We were, I mean, you couldn't even play sequences. Like it, it, Bob was angry because we couldn't watch things and it, it, it was bad. Like, and then, and then COVID hit, like the whole thing sucked. The whole season 15 was horrible. (laughs) I uh, was going to ask you, and maybe you guys can go back just a little bit. Like in March, we actually had a crew on set on day one of episode 19. And we filmed interviews or interviews with, with Jensen and, and Misha and Alexander. We were going to come back. That was on a Thursday. And we were going to come back that next Friday or excuse me, the next day on Friday. And literally they said, Nope, don't come back because we're going to be shutting down production. And so, you know, Jeff was up there, he, he flew home and everything. And we thought, well, I mean, no, none of us knew, but um, we thought might be obviously 
a month or two or whatever we did. We, and then we never went, you know, never, Jeff right. never made it back. We did get B-roll on the last day, but how, where were you guys when that happened? And did you end up finishing your episodes at remotely or, or where were you? I mean, for me, I was eight, I was episode 18. So yeah, like I said, it was basically, I was getting my editor's cut ready. Uh, Richard Spate directed it. And then so yeah, I mean, it was the day before I was turning over my editor's cut and I wanted to go into the office. They sent us home and they were all making contingency plans to get us all Avid's uh, editing systems to go home. The next day, we got an email from Warner Brothers uh, HR saying, if you want to go into your office, you, could, you have to contact your HR rep. You have to do all sorts of things. You had to get approval. So I, I emailed John Showalter and I said, you know, I want to go in and balance my tracks and get this all set together. And he's like, nope, can't go in. So we we basically copied all the media for our show and I cut the rest of it home. I did the director's cut at home. I did the producer's cut at home. You know, we did it through you know, just telephone, email, you know, Zoom calls, all that stuff. And we, f- I finished my episode out remotely. And like I said, that was it. And then I was done with Supernatural. And it was just, you know, and I'm just sitting here at home in my shorts cutting Supernatural, you know, so and th- I know these guys uh, had a different story, they got to go back in here and there. So let's see, John, you, you did 19. So yeah, because there so, a little bit of like, had you finished all your previous episodes? Yeah, uh, I have to remember exactly. So I think what uh, we, I was at the office when they, when the whole thing hit, where it was like, oh my God, they're shutting down. It was sort of like a weird wave came through because you heard they shut down. Oh, I don't remember specifics, but I think it was something like Riverdale or whatever. You just started hearing that these were domino falling, like this was shut stopping, this was stopping. And, and for that whole week, oh man, what's that mean? But we were still kind of going. And then, and John, Showalter had flown up for his 19 one day or two of 19 and then they stopped it. And so I was at the office doing starting the dailies. It had just began and I had just started to cut 19 and they stopped it. So I was finishing 16 and they had just started 19 and there was a debate on, yeah, do you go home and finish the last few days of dailies or, or, or that's only, you know, a couple scenes. So is, is it worth setting all that up? And I, I can't remember the exactly, I think they decided not, that I didn't need to. And the question was, what well, it was more about where are we going to try and finish 16 and get it out to mix and spot it and, and all of that. So some of that remote happened for a while. And then the whole thing, the, the mixing stages stopped, everybody stopped. So I was in this weird limbo zone of we didn't really finish up everything. And it was unknown. We, we, we were on a holding pattern for several weeks on what was going to happen. And then we just waited. I, I don't remember how it panned out. I think they did a few things. And then we ended up waiting till the August time. And then I went back in August to finish 19. And that that was in the office again. Uh, they had, and with massive amounts of testing and all spaced out differently. But you got COVID tested. You had to wear a mask. You had all these protocols. But I was cutting in the office. I, I went back to the you know to the building to the office. I think in July or whatever to get you know they they let a few few of us back to get stuff. Pretty like bizarre to go in there. Probably is like was there anybody else in there other than you? Uh, oh, that's the weird yeah, thing. Yeah, no. You weren't at the office, Fitz, when you came back. No, I wasn't at the, uh, I, uh, no, I was not at the old office. They kicked yeah, us out right. of the office. So that was even oh, weird. Okay. We were at another place. Yeah, we were at a new office too. 
But uh, I did go back to the original floor seven office uh, in the middle of the summer ish. I think I needed to go pick up the hard drive for 16 or something. I don't remember the specific reason, but I got like Don said, there was all these permissions. You had, it was very, very, you had to to have a card that you showed that was okay. And you had all this pre-approval. So I went in with this, the pre-approval and there was nobody there at that time. Not a soul. And it was the strangest thing because you went upstairs. I have video of it somewhere. And it was like a time capsule. It felt like, you know, Vesuvius had exploded or whatever. You know, there was just everything stopped. The desks were exactly right. as they were left. The doors were part open. There, everything was there as if it was just the normal office, but not a soul was there. The kitchen was the same. The exact way you left everything was there. Like a, and like Don said, he described it's almost like a supernatural episode. It's like time stopped in this office, and it was the weirdest thing. So, uh, Jimmy, you edited the final episode, which I mean, that, that's like a kind of an honor in a way. I would I would think it's the final episode of this long running, you know, beloved series. Talk a little bit about you know uh, editing that episode and and tell tell the fans a little bit about that. I loved it. It was, it was weird. It was weird, you know, coming into it, like building up to it. Uh, we were trying to figure out how we were going to do it because spoiler alert, Bob Singer isn't the most technologically advanced, um, person around. So it wasn't like we were all going to zoom and, and, you know, do all these technological things over the internet. Like Bob wants to, he, you know, he's a little bit old school. He wants to be in a bay with you and, and working with you. So we were trying to figure out how we we're going to make that possible. Um, there, there were discussions at one point of me setting up a bay in his house and I'd just go over there and we would run the show. It ended up that we got a place, I believe, did we get it through Jeremy Carver? Like, was, did he have anything to do with that? Or was it just randomly that his offices were there? I don't know the answer to that. Anyway, yeah, we ended up at Jeremy Carver's, his new show. Was it Doom Patrol? I can't remember. Yeah. We ended up in, the, yeah. in those offices and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was weird. It was, it was sad. Um, I, I had a lot of fun cutting the episode, you know, I thought, I thought once, you know, that scene with Dean, when he, when he dies, I, I mean, Jensen and Jared were doing this for 15 years waiting for that moment. Like they, they knew they were so Dean and Sam, that it was just amazing to cut. It was so fun to cut it. And I loved it. Uh, it was it was a really fun episode to do. I wish some of the earlier scripts had a chance, but they just didn't because of COVID. There was some cool stuff. Yeah, and, and fans, just for those of you who uh, want to hear the story about some of what was going to happen, or maybe be in that final episode and how that all had to change, you definitely have to check out the um, the extra on the box set that goes through that uh, the end of the road. Don and and John, I mean, you guys were kind of obviously the three of you were a team, but you, you guys were kind of watching that last episode. What were some of your takes and when did you see it? And, and what were your, what were your feelings there? You want to go uh, first on? Sure. Ahead, Don. I mean, for me, I guess kind of for me, it's like the finality of it, right? Like I was talking before, I mean, for all of us, I mean, or the three of us here, I was on the longest. So like 11 seasons over a decade of my life was involved in this show. And it was kind of like a, you know, finality. Okay. It's really over. Like for me, like I said too, it's, you know, I never had the finality of I got kicked out of my bay and then I never went back. It just, you know, a couple months later to clean it out. So, and there was, you know, no rap party, no really 
chance to say goodbye to people or anything kind of like that. So watching it kind of, I don't know, put a, you know, put a button on the whole thing for me, even though it was kind of, you know, anticlimactic where it's like, okay, not the episode, but just my personal experience. I mean, you know, the stuff, you know, that, that I went through in those 10 years, my kids growing up, my, you know, personally and professionally and all that kind of stuff. It was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is really it. It's over, you know, that type of thing where, uh, you know, you, you kind of don't, you, you know, what's happening, but you kind of don't want to believe it. But then all of a sudden it's over. That's, that's what it was for me so much. I know people watch, you know, Sam and Dean and that type of stuff. But for me, I'm thinking about me as a person, as a whole, <laughs> that's what it, you know, what it meant to me, you know, as a, as an editor on the show and all that kind of stuff where, you know, we're never going to be working with these people again, we might, but not in the same capacity, not in the, not in the show. And so that it really probably put the end of it for me. That's what it, that's what it was. The, the last episode watching it john yeah uh i'm trying to remember where i saw it i saw it at the offices i was i was still finishing up um 19 and i was in a an edit bay far away yeah i think that's right yeah we ran it with you in the room no you did yeah bob came down i remember uh, bob came down this is going to be hard not to get choked up <laughs> bob came down and he said hey we're gonna we're going to watch this. I said, Oh, okay. He's like, you're one of the family. Come on in. Cause it wasn't my episode. And normally you didn't do that. You didn't, the other editor didn't sit in on a director pass for, it was just not, not because there's anything wrong with it. It was just, you know, you didn't really do that. You had things to do. So he let, he let me sit in and when they ran it in the Bay and, uh, yeah, so it was, and it was a really impactful experience because it was totally different than any other episode. It uh, was very personal and super emotional, and that, like Jimmy said, that scene where where Sam and Dean was, I mean, that's that was a tough one. And uh, yeah, so it, but that's where I saw it, and then we saw it again. I think we did a Zoom party where everybody got to watch the actual simultaneous with the airing, but that's where I saw it the first time was in the in with Jimmy and and uh, John Showalter and and Bob in the edit bay. We can do some yeah, we want to do some behind the scenes stuff in that one. I'll tell you some stuff. Let me think here. So the big remember the big thing with outfits was um it came down to okay, so I'll say this. I have been trying to get brothers in arms uh into a show probably since season eight. I've put it in multiple times and it's never gone through. And sorry, I'm just looking at my phone so I can get the right the name of the, the artist here. Um, dire Straits, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Di- I'm sorry, I, the, the other one. I'm, I'll get to it in just a sec. Uh, so <laughs> dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. I've been trying to get. I put it in multiple, multiple shows. Never got it through. I believe I put it in when Cast died, and it didn't get. I didn't. I didn't get it there. And I'll I'll, I'll save you the other times. So I get it in there. Everybody loves it, and then Eugenie comes in with. Uh, once I was by Tim Buckley, which is a great song too. And there was, I mean, how long did that go on fits? It would probably went on for five days of which song we were going to pick. And it was, and, and there's another one of those examples of everybody, just the family and, and the, 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 just upping the game. It's like, you know, everybody's in on it. It was like, Oh yeah, this song's great yeah. too. Watch this. By the way, and yeah, it was, is, is Bob's wife. So everyone, yeah. So she came in with and, a, and a writer and a writer, and a writer yeah, of the show. Yeah. And it was great. It was just, yeah. And we all, everybody, yeah. We watched that thing three different ways. I think that was one yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Trying to remember anything else. It's mostly just the stories. 
just just sitting in there shooting the crap with Bob. What you brought up, uh, it reminds me, I should have asked you a little bit earlier, but the music in the show, the, I mean, the, you know, the licensed music, the rock, classic rock, everything is so key to, I don't know, the vibe of the show and everything. What, what went into some of the thinking and planning? Did you guys drop in track sometimes that, that got, that stayed in? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we got, it, but it was, that's all credit to Phil. Phil was like music master. I mean, I'd say early on, Don, you can talk about it like before Phil and not that he didn't trust me, but I mean, you'd come in there with 75 tracks that you'd have to bring in <laughs> that he was like, this yeah. will work. I think this will work. I think this will work. And, but, but he always allowed us to put in our track on the editor cut. So I think we, it's probably something we all share I, that I grew up listening to that music. So it, 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 it's a little older than what I am, but that's the music my dad listened to. And I loved listening to that era of music. So it wasn't, it was, it was, it was almost like an award. How I remember it. My first yeah. introduction to it was I was Jimmy's assistant. Uh, so I, he let me do the music and I'd be like, Oh, well then I'm putting Trini Lopez crooked little man in here, or I just come up with some random thing. And the, the idea wasn't that they were going to ever really do it, but it would just be your sort of little like thing. And, but if Phil approved it to let it go up, Oh, that was a badge of honor. Right. It was like, Oh yes. I picked something that he liked. And it happened sometimes, not all the time. You know, he'd be like, "Eh, no, I think we're going to go with this. And he'd he'd come up with his own thing. But it was sort of like a thing that if you came up with the track that got to stay, and he and he gave it the stamp to go up the line because he was the gatekeeper. Absolutely, and, and you gotta, then, there's a backstory to that. You gotta realize Phil Segrisha is like a music master. I mean, he's a record. He produces bands. He produced a band that was the Petunia and the Vipers. I think is the name of them. He helped produce their album. I mean, this guy loves music. There isn't a genre of music that I don't think he knows about. And he would throw in such deep tracks. Um, and, and funny enough, I have like a playlist on my phone that's like songs that Phil introduced me to that I still like listen to sometimes. So, Well, on a sideline about the music, he had these playlists that he created when he was in college or whatever. <laughs> like they were on old analog, like reel-to-reel maybe, or tape, and he digitized. And he had access to them. He had all these weird names like songs about food. And, you know, get the hell out or whatever. And, they, and he just, he'd be like, here, you should have this playlist. And so we all started listening to Phil's playlists of music. And then when the pandemic happened, he started sending songs every day. I mean, he would curate these songs and email blast everybody. And he'd do this whole like news update of like, we're going to go back to 62 when these people recorded this. And you'd have these download links. Whole story. Whole story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he started like a whole thing and he did it for the first two months of the pandemic. And then I think, you know, he had to stop because I mean, I, the amount of time and care that went into doing it for, for everybody's basically mental health to feel like something was normal. And so I like Jimmy saying, I have a whole COVID Phil's COVID-19 playlist on my iTunes now. And it's the most eclectic grouping of music, you know, ever, but it's fun to listen to. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He should have his own like Spotify uh, list. He, He would show you stuff like that. He showed me some, he's like, there's this crazy, channel out in san francisco you should check it out like in the, and you can download soma it. fm 
Yeah. And I used to listen to Drone Zone on that. There was, he, you could go down a rabbit hole of Phil. And just to like, you know, add a little bit to that, I think it was me and PJ started, started calling Phil TV dad. Uh, We're basically like, yeah, Phil's our TV dad. And he kind of was, he kind of like in a weird way raised us all and kind of taught us to his way. And so, yeah, you were always trying to impress him. Every time he came in the room, I wanted to impress him. And then Bob would have been, you know, TV grandpa. So you're constantly trying to impress him too. Like, just, you know, just love me, dad. We would always, we would always joke with Phil about that. We even made shirts. Remember we made shirts. Oh yeah. TV yeah. dad shirts and gave it to him. So one, one of the, uh, one of the extras I really love, I, I don't recall which season, but the episode, um, washboards and Tommy guns did it, and if you guys edit that, no, but you did the promo for it, Jimmy. I know. I, that's what I was saying. I was like, "Oh, is that the one where Dean goes where he uh, he's Elliot works with Elliot Ness?" Yeah. Yes. I, I cut a promo for that, so Don would have cut it. Don cut it. Oh no, maybe, didn't. maybe I just did a promo. <laughs> yeah. No, I I did the one. I did the one where Dean goes back in time. Is that one? That, yeah, that is what, that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, he did. that was the, that was the whole. Speaking of music, the big thing about that too with Phil was, I mean, they ended up you know, renting a whole recording studio and, and it was all a full band. It was, you know, that type of thing, you know, to get the real, the sound of the real instruments and that type of stuff. Yeah. No, that was a good one. That's one of my favorite extras. Cause you know, obviously Phil, when we pitched it to him, he was all about, sure. Yeah, let's do it. But knowing Phil, he just wanted us to like, be sure and focus on the, the uh, musicians, you know, and, and which we did. Cause we were there filming behind the scenes that day that they did the, the recording in this, in the soundstage or the, the, uh, the recording place. And I think Chris was there doing the, you know, the live and it was, it was an amazing piece of uh, behind the scenes that really went into the music part of the show. Let me just correct myself real, real quick. The extra was called Wash boards and Tommy guns, but the episode is time after time after time. Yeah. I think I still have, I think he pressed, he uh, burned CDs too of the soundtrack of that episode. Yeah. I got, I got that somewhere with all my other CDs. Did you give us vinyl for Chris? I mean, it was, everything was music, everything. You give us records for Christmas. Yeah, I have, I have a vintage stereo. I have a Sansui 7070 and a, and a turntable now because Phil kept bringing in vinyl you know, just random special. It might be my birthday or it's just a special occasion or Christmas or whatever. Or you'd be like, Fitzy, I got this for you. And it would be vinyl. And it's like the third album. Finally, I, I just molded over. I was like, I got to tell him. I was like, I don't have a record player. You know, <laughs> I, I really, thanks, but I don't. And he goes, and he goes, that's not my problem. You're going to know. <laughs> and, and I was just like, all right. So then I ended up getting one and uh, listened to all these, the, the stuff he's, he gave me. It's fun. Well, guys, uh, man, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. I think you gave a lot of great info for the fans. So uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your stories. Absolutely. Thank you. you. Anytime. Thank you. For those of you interested in learning more about the extras discussed in the show today, there will be detailed information on the website at www.theextras.tv. And look for Supernatural Season 15 on DVD and Blu-ray, as this is the exclusive place where you can find the documentaries the End of the Road, and Family Donut with Blood, as well as the Season 15 Gag Reel, which comes in at a whopping 15 minutes. Supernatural, the complete series on DVD and Blu-ray, is packed with all the extras we created over the years, which comes out to over 53 hours. This includes all of the Season 15 content we've mentioned. Plus, there is a 68-page book filled with new images, set designs, letters to the fans from Eric Kripke, Bob Singer, and much more. This is a must-have box set for all diehard Supernatural fans. 
Until next time, you've been listening to The Extras with Tim Millard. All you fans out there, stay slightly obsessed. Hi, this is Tim Millard, host of The Extras Podcast. And I wanted to let you know that we have a new private Facebook group for fans of the Warner Archive and Warner Brothers Catalog physical media releases. So if that interests you, you can find the link on our Facebook page or look for the link in the podcast show notes.